0: where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being and hopefully you can learn what you need to get your well-being more on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Well-Being. We are now, in this second half, going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Sounds very serious. (laughs) It can be. I've definitely struggled with it a lot in my life. Um, We'd be really interested to hear from people if they've got any questions about this. Um, So you can email studio via studio at hcr923fm.com or you can text us on 60066 and don't forget to start your message with H-C-R, so imposter syndrome, it refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be, so not being as good or as competent as others perceive you to be, now I'm reading that, I'm saying that out loud and I'm thinking yep, that's me, definitely, that's me, I can relate to that. I definitely struggle with imposter syndrome. What about you, Claire? Oh yeah, sign me up <laughs> to all the boxes. <laughs>
1: totally, yeah, I've totally been there. Yeah, that, those feelings of self-doubt, personal incompetence, that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. You know, kind of in workplaces, I've talked to, uh, with coaching clients comes up a lot with coaching clients they they don't necessarily always label it as that yeah um but there's something in there isn't there about this this what we believe about ourselves and and what we perceive and we know from the work that we do and from all the research that this is very tying with our mental well-being isn't it,
1: it yeah it is because it you hold yourself ...really accountable for stuff... ...which we we know you should do... ...but this is like... ...you put pressure on yourself... ...you expect a higher standard of yourself... ...than you probably would of anybody else... ...and potentially... Constantly striving, you're never gonna hit that high mark because you will always shift those goals and those um like glass ceilings kind of thing you will always shift them it'll always get oh well, I'm not quite there yet, I'm not quite there yet so and that's gonna be detrimental for your mental well being,
0: yeah, I think it's interesting what you're saying there about a lot of it seems to be tied in with how we're seen by other people and what we're seen to be achieving. Mm versus what's going on with us internally.
1: Mm.
0: And it's kind of like that when those two things don't necessarily match up or there's a disconnect there, then we start to doubt, as you say, we we start to kind of disbelieve. And I'm just wondering, if it's so prevalent, where does this come from? You know? I, I mean, part of me thinks,
1: speaking from myself it's been precious from other people. More so probably in the workplace that you're always striving to do more. So, you know, I've got the job because I've got the qualifications, I can do the job. And then when you're in the job, they expect more and more of you. I'm not saying everywhere does this, but I would say quite a lot of places. They expect more and more of you and they put higher standards on you, more workload, that kind of thing. So you are constantly striving to meet targets I mean I'm not being funny I've worked in quite a a few different environments so targets have been from you know working in a bank and having targets of how many loans you've got to sell that kind of thing to targets about how many people you get on your training course or you know um how many people you get coming into a place, that kind of thing. So vastly different in regards to what those targets are. But every time you met them, especially when I was in the bank, every time I met them the year after, they always got put up. So to the point where then you really couldn't get them, there was no way you could because they just constantly, you were killing yourself trying to reach them. And then it was like, oh, well, I'm not meeting them. And then you'd get marked down in your annual appraisal, you know, that appraisal of going, well, you're not doing what you should do because you've not met your targets. So personally, a lot of it comes from that with me because I've worked in environments where it's been really high pressure, really a lot of stress and where they've really pushed you completely outside into your breaking point really, you know, where you are in burnout because you're constantly trying to meet unrealistic unrealistic expectations and that still goes on in a lot of workplaces. That still goes on. But I also think that and I I don't mean to, you know, my parents are lovely, you know, my mum was brilliant but there was also expectations from my parents. So I think there's also that within your family group, and maybe even peers, but definitely within family group to always be better when you should be further along. You know, how many times do we see people with children and they go, "Oh, oh, mine's walking already. You know, so my child's walking. It's like, right,
0: yeah, great. Yeah, that's what they do, generally. <laughs> yeah.
1: But then somebody else is like, oh, they're not walking yet. Yeah. So and it starts there. It starts like as children and the the system that they go into within schools. So I actually think our environment really supports us all to have this imposter syndrome.
0: I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's programmed into us from a very early age. From you know a lot of the sources that you mentioned there, it seems as a theme, doesn't there, with achievement, and yet achievement is is made you know you've reached the goal or you maybe just slightly fallen short of the goal but it's still not good enough
1: mm.
0: and that you know like you were saying with the targets well even if you achieve the goal there'd still be more and, and more stressful targets the yeah. following year or the following quarter yeah so it's you know and it it seems to me that we talk a lot about balance don't we when we talk about our mental health and our mental well-being and it just feels like this is very skewed mm this culture, this attitude, this constant striving. So thinking about this in the context of imposter syndrome, when we do do something really well and somebody praises us for it, or maybe we get the promotion or we get the opportunity to do something that we've always wanted to in our life. It's like, no no wonder we're not able to believe it Mm. or we're not able to accept it about ourselves. Because it's going against our programming potentially, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, what's inbred in us from, like you say, from a young age. Yeah, we're, we're not told that's good enough. That's great, you, you're you good enough. Yeah. And I think there should be more of that. But I do, yeah, I, I think that sort of impacts on this. And, and, you know, some people I think are automatically within their kind of personality you've got people who are perfectionists you know people who are striving and i think again i think that's an inbred in them from being you know young toddlers kind of thing i think it's been something put on them but i think it's also part of their personality i think they're more from from what i've done with coaching clients who have this they seem even more to have this imposter syndrome um, because the expectations are so, so high. Yeah, it's just, it's scary, actually. But it is something I think a lot of people can understand and get on board with. But the fact that this will really impact on our mental wellbeing, and I just want to make that distinction between your mental health and mental wellbeing, because actually what we're saying here is you know, it's going to impact to the point where it will be detrimental, it will keep impacting on you, so you will end up with a mental health kind of thing that's going on. Whereas mental well-being is like supporting ourselves to not go to that place. And I think that's why we wanted to talk about this imposter syndrome, because it's about supporting people to understand if they've got it, to understand maybe how to shift some beliefs that they've had from being young that no longer serve them, that are not useful and they're not true so that they can start to support themselves so they don't go down that mental health. Because, you know, some of my clients who've got that have gone, they're in burnout and that's
0: that's classed as a mental health issue. Definitely. I think as you're talking there, it's making me think about, okay, well, how does this show up? You know, so if somebody is struggling with imposter syndrome and yet... You'd probably, you know, when I've read a lot of articles about it or kind of like looked into it, people on the surface coping really well, you know, they're delivering in their jobs, Mm. they're getting promoted, they're having the opportunities, you know, but there's something in there that sort of they're not allowed to enjoy that Mm. within themselves or they don't believe it within themselves. So it's actually that in itself can be a very stressful thing to have to deal with on a daily basis that you know people have often described it to me as well I'm just afraid of that one day I'm just going to get that tap on the shoulder and someone's going to turn around and go what do you think you're doing who do you think you are and so it's kind of like you're living on edge yeah Well, you are. If you're always waiting for somebody to tap you on
1: the shoulder and go, you've been found out, Claire. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we've realised you're not who you say you are. You're not good or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, constantly. If you are constantly waiting for that tap on the shoulder, then you're living on the edge. You're living on your nerves. Mm. And as we know, if you're living on your nerves, that is a mental health problem. You know, we really need to address this because it'll start to impact on how you feel and think about anything and everything, because that's what happens. We don't address these issues. You know, It things can start cropping up in our bodies, just like stress does, you know, stress can kill us. It can give us heart attacks, high blood pressure, you know, headaches, all that kind of thing. I used to constantly get migraines and it was only after quite a few years of getting them, them debilitating. I would literally be out for four days in a dark room, sat in a dark room in my house with the, with headaches because of stress. And they, we only found out it was stress. This causes stress. The imposter syndrome causes us stress. And it's just, I think we don't realize it because it's not a broken leg. Mm. It's not easy to be seen. Very often it's it it's felt. And, potentially we can't explain
0: it i think that's a really important point actually so it's kind of like we're maybe sort of dealing with something that we don't even know it is, it is but it's there's an, un, an unsettling feeling an uncertain feeling it's kind of like you say that anticipation we're living on our nerves wondering if we're going to get found out we're going to get discovered that puts us in a heightened state of stress and I know from personal experience that doesn't feel like something that we can necessarily discuss with people because I know, you know, I think I first became aware of it probably, it's probably going back kind of like at least, at least 15 years, you know, and, and I remember feeling it for myself. See, imposter syndrome is, is often associated with people in very what we consider to be high-flying roles, mm. you know, real high-profile or, you know, what would be considered to be considered to be great achievements but I mean we know that we think it's important for people to have their own versions of success and their own definition of what that is and I know certainly at the point when I discovered it in my life it was when I kind of finally landed a job that I really loved and I really wanted and it was sort of fitting with my personal life and my son was really young then and it was kind of so it fitted with home and and what was going on there but I remember having that feeling of uh, you know, I'm going to get found out. I think the job as well, I was a bit of an outsider. Um, I wasn't from the sector or the area, you know, Mm. so I was a bit of a a chance. They took a chance on me as the organisation, and I knew that, and I felt that extra pressure, Mm. you know, to deliver. And so the whole time, and it was kind of like I was sort of pinching myself. For me, it was a great job Mm. because it checked a lot of boxes. You know, someone else might look at that job and think, well, it's not so so amazing but and i think i wanted to kind of make that distinction when we're not just necessarily talking about people who are in high profile roles or you know they've reached the very top of the career ladder or what would be considered to be that i believe that imposter syndrome can impact on anybody i
1: totally agree with you there
0: yeah i think it's a fallacy that it's only these top people
1: i think it's more more and more. I'm hearing it from people who come to me, clients, you know, even in in the group coaching sessions that we, we do, I'm hearing it there from people. And, you know, they're not in, you know, they're not the CEO of, you know, a massive corporation or anything like that. But what they're doing is important work and they love their job and stuff like that. So a bit like you're saying, so it's probably their ideal job. And I I, I don't believe that it only happens to certain people. I think it happens to, well, I think it can happen to anybody in any job that they've got, no matter what it is. I think they can have imposter syndrome.
0: I think that's it's great to hear you say that because I think when you often read about it, it tends to be yeah. focusing on that, that kind of level. I think what is helpful is to maybe hear stories of people who are in the public eye,
1: hmm.
0: you know, kind of sharing that, because we do tend to kind of look at people who do really difficult things or, you know, really high-profile things and think, oh, well, they must have it all together. Hmm. But often, you know, we know from kind of like people sharing their stories that, you know... Yeah this kind of stuff can uh, can affect everybody. So I think it, it does help in that regard. I think something else that's interesting is that I know statistically, I don't know what the statistics are, but I know studies show that it tends to be women that struggle with it more than men. Mm. Now, I'm always a little bit cautious with kind of like gender-specific because I don't want to generalise. Um, but I'm just such... And I have worked with plenty of male coaching clients that have that have sort of revealed this about themselves. I wonder if there's something in there about you know, women are maybe more likely to recognise that within themselves, or... Or
1: maybe even women are more likely to express it verbally. Yeah. So that's why we hear about it, because we know, you know, that statistically, it is statistically, men don't talk about Their feelings and stuff like that, and that's changing. It is changing. That is changing. And there's some fantastic people out there who are really driving that forward. And we we were lucky enough to have Nathan from It's Good to Talk on, and who who is doing that in this sort of like location. But there's others who are doing it, so that's brilliant. But I do wonder if the, the reason is because girls talk. You know, we do. You know we go to the bathroom we talk to each other we go I like your dress you know and it doesn't stop there you know there is a potential for going to the loo and then talking about imposter syndrome it happens it's just part and parcel of what we are like like and I'm again I'm generalizing but I do think it is it's easy to go and say but I do think that's potentially why it looks like men don't get it as much because they just They don't articulate it. They don't tell people. They're probably feeling it, but, yeah, they don't, you know, they they may share it with one person. That might, might, might be it.
0: I'm interested to know what you think about how do we know the difference between imposter syndrome, you know, and what we've been discussing here versus I'm new at something, I'm feeling that I'm just a little bit, I'm not quite competent yet. You know that kind of the normal feelings that you would maybe feel, or you know, if you'd maybe started a new job, or if you were doing something new in your life, you a new experience that you were trying, or even a new hobby mm. that you were trying out. You know, kind of like what's? I think it's important to make the distinction. Do you get what I'm trying to say I, there? Yeah,
1: I do. Yeah, completely. I mean, I can only talk about it from from me. I think. Yeah. I don't think. I think anybody's going to be different, but for me my interpretation would be that, you know, I've got the qualifications, I'm doing the job. I've not been in the job. It's not like, it's not a a new job. I've been in the job a while. And when I'm talking a while, probably two years plus. So I know all the jargon that they use, you know, that we all, we do all use, you know, I know the jargon that's used. I know what that's going on. I know what people are talking about. I'm doing my job and I'm probably being successful at it. But there's something within me that is going. You're not. You're. They're going to find you out. You're not doing this. You know that you, there's clearly something missing, or you know, the there's more expected of you. You need to up your game, kind of thing. I think the, there's that kind of thinking. I think when you first go into a job, it's not going to feel like that. It you're gonna. You're going to know. You don't know these things. People are going to talk to you. I remember that. I remember sitting in a meeting and thinking, I have not a Scooby Doo what you're talking about. Because there was all these acronyms being used, and I'm constantly going, What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And then I'm like, I still didn't help because I still <laughs> didn't know what they were talking about. And so I think when you first learn a job, and I think it takes a while, and you know, I, I know some people who've been in the job 12 months, and they're still learning. There is still that. So you're going to have this conscious incompetence, should I say? Yeah. You will. You know, you know it. You know that oh, this feels clunky. This doesn't feel right. I don't know about this. And I can ask. I can ask a question or, you know, after six weeks, I should probably know this. No, you shouldn't. You know, that's okay, After two years in a job and you know things and you're doing things, you haven't got the conscious incompetence because there's probably no incompetence going on. It's just you think you're not doing it to a certain level. Don't know. Does
0: that make sense to you? Yeah, I think it does make sense. It kind of goes back to something that we talk about constantly, this importance of knowing ourselves and and listening to that inner chatter. Yeah. And knowing what, you know, kind of what what messages that's giving us. Is this something, you know, we need to pay attention to? You know, why am I being so down on myself? Why am I feeling these feelings of, you know, that I'm going to get found out? Where is that coming from? Mm. Um, versus, like you say, just a, a sort of like, am I just giving myself a little bit of a hard time because I'm new here? Yeah. Um, so ha- having that self-awareness is the first step, isn't it? Mm. And I think that then there are things that we can do to maybe, you know, kind of deal with this, build ourselves up, as you said earlier, you know, kind of overcome some of those beliefs. Yeah. Because I think the more that we follow through with those and listen to those, the more that they'll become our truth. Yeah. And we're in danger of, of that defining us, like we were saying before. So... Yeah, there's a lot to this, isn't there? There's lots of layers. I'm thinking about this in layers and that we've got to kind of like dig into the layers and maybe kind of go there one at a time. Very much so. I just I think this is
1: really useful to share. There's um, a lady called Melody Wilding and she says there's five different types of imposter syndrome. Okay. So the first one we've already talked about, the perfectionist. So feeling like you always have to up your game, feeling like it has to be perfect and actually... Most of the time, nothing ever is. So, you know, there's that. But that gets you, if you are not hitting that, it enables you to start feeling this imposter syndrome. So there's like a correlation there that's going on. I like that. Um, The next one she says is called the superwoman or superman. You know, you are, are expecting you to be able to do everything. And so you're not acknowledging that, you have some areas that are not strengths, you know, that you, you're you not good at. Because actually, we all have them. And it's not about maybe developing those those areas where we're not good. It's about working to our strengths and building those more. But the superwoman, superman kind of imposter syndrome is about not acknowledging that and expecting ourselves to be good at everything and that we can take on everything. You know we don't need to rest we don't need to we can carry on working we don't need a break that's that kind of thing the third one is called the natural genius
0: Ooh, tell me about the natural genius
1: <laughs> so this is sort of like if you're used to excelling without having to do any work oh, you know right. there's people that can just turn up for a test yeah. and do it and like get an a and i'm just like it's not fair <laughs> shouldn't be allowed but there are people like that because they're just naturally like that so if you're naturally like that you're always told you know oh you're really smart you're the smartest one any setbacks any failures you're not used to and that is where then the imposter syndrome will come in so it'll like challenge you in that way yeah um the fourth one is the soloist so this is this is something that I used to do. Okay. You know, as a good leader manager, you would delegate tasks and you should delegate tasks in a workplace to people who that's their strength. Yeah. Don't take it all on. Yeah, that's not me. That wasn't me. At a certain point in time, I I would do it all. I would do it all because I would think I'd needed to. So it's sort of like the soloist is feeling like you have to do it all and you have to be good at all of that and you don't, actually, part of being a good leader and manager is understanding that, you know, somebody in, within your team is actually better at doing this than you, and that's okay. Utilise their skills and abilities, you know, that's what you, that should be about. And then the fifth one is the expert. So this, the expert is like what you know and how much you know of it, So the expert feels that they probably never know enough. They constantly need to learn more and more. So maybe these people who are, and I'm not saying these are all people who would have this imposter syndrome, but when you, you do a qualification and then you do a master's and then you do a HMD and then, oh no, I still need to do more. There are people like that out there because they feel that they're always striving to learn more. They need to be that expert in it and they need to know everything about it. And there's experts out there, but there'll still probably be something they don't know that can cause us to have imposter syndrome. So I think it's really useful what Wilding's done there, what Melanie Wilding's done there. I think it's really useful to look at these because I think that helps you to grasp maybe Do you fit into one of those categories? Is that the kind of imposter syndrome you're having? Because I think they do lend
0: themselves to quite different things. I really like those, Claire. I think they're really useful. Um, Can we just recap them? You can. So I know we had a soloist and an expert. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm rubbish. I can't remember the others already. (laughs) The natural genius. Natural genius the super for us superwoman superwoman for any yeah. men out there the
1: superman okay for any men out there there are men out there so the <laughs> men for the men out there not any men <laughs> they've all dropped off the earth um, and then the perfectionist
0: and the perfectionist
1: yeah we've worked a lot with i know both of us have yeah. with our coaching clients this comes up an awful lot
0: yeah i really recognize the perfectionist in people i've worked with and also the expert mm. you know that constant kind of striving to you know or kind of like when i get the next qualification then i'll be you know i'll, I'll feel I'll, yeah i'll feel I w- or i won't feel like an imposter yeah Cause it's interesting this word imposter isn't it because it's kind of like you're not supposed to be there or you're mm-hmm. pretending to be something that you're not mm. and the majority of us would not intentionally do that would we
1: no i don't think so i mean there will be people out there yeah. who intentionally do. We're not talking yeah. to them.
0: No.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking to the ones who, yeah, wouldn't. And I think the majority of people, yeah, wouldn't choose to be like that imposter, like you say. Yeah. Because you would or I'd be panicking. I think that those people who choose it never panic about it, do they? They're quite all right. They have that actual ability to, you know, just think they're okay. They're, they don't have the imposter syndrome.
0: Hmm. I think the, the different types, you know, for want of a better word, that you've described there are quite useful in helping us all identify. You know, it's not about labelling or putting people in boxes, but it's a good starting point, isn't mm. it? To sort of think, you know, kind of if we're struggling, if we're experiencing those feelings that we were describing earlier about self-doubt, you know, and and, kind of it, and, it's, and it's getting to a point where it's very debilitating mm. and it's time to do something about that or even, you know, before you get there, are you noticing traits about yourself so that you can kind of put things in place early on which is obviously what we really advocate here at 3b Mm. but actually having those different labels in this instance is quite helpful because then we can look into the characteristics of you know that type of behavior can't we and we can sort of recognize that in ourselves
1: i think it also helps you work out a strategy for yourself to how you will help yourself to stop being this you know to to stop giving yourself a hard time over it because I I literally when I was reading it the soloist was very much me like not in my last couple of roles but before that very much so I think probably when I was new to being a manager as well but the soloist very much I did think I had to do it all myself and I still got traits of that now where I think I have to deal with it all myself. I have to deal with everything and I can't share that or ask someone to help with the burden. There, is, there are still traits of that that go on with me. Okay. In, in my personal life, I would say, probably. And yeah, and then obviously within our work now, sometimes the expert comes in. Because it's like, yeah, I'm a coach, but I coach people who do jobs that I have never done. And I wouldn't expect a coach to know that. That's the whole point, that actually. Because yeah. sometimes it's better. More often than not, it is better because then you're not going to want to tell them what to do. You're going to facilitate them finding that for themselves, which is obviously what that's all about. But yeah, still sometimes I think, I know I'm an expert as a coach, so I need to know and then I have an imposter syndrome over that yeah so knowing which one you are I think it can be really helpful or if you're a couple you know knowing can help you to start to put strategies in place
0: do you find yourself do you notice that about yourself if you can feel yourself going there yeah. do you check in with yourself
1: yeah I, I think I notice it more now and I'll, and it's sort of like there's a like <laughs> there's a big flag that waves going, Oh, this could be imposter syndrome going on here. And yeah, sometimes it's just where I am, like yeah, in my hormone cycle or something like that. So and then I just need to I, I talk to myself and find a bit more compassion. Other times I don't know the reason and I probably give myself a hard time over that then. And then I usually end up talking to you. That's true. <laughs> this is true. I end up talking to you, talking it through. And
0: then, yeah, that and that helps because talking always helps for me. Good, that's good. And, and it does. And I think I always learn such a lot when I talk with you. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm liking how you're kind of checking in with yourself and you're noticing that about yourself. And we have to almost train ourselves to do that really, don't we? We have to kind of be with ourselves all the it's it's this seems to relate to all of the things that we talk about you know getting to know yourself having that patience that curiosity that kindness you know all of all of the stuff the acceptance it's kind of all of the stuff applies yeah with this one doesn't it
1: yeah it does do you know what i'm, I'm i this really links with my song oh, fantastic because my song is the fabulous tears for fears everyone wants to rule the world oh that's such a great song it's a brilliant song isn't it and it is it's all about so for me it really resonated because it's about yeah i want to rule the world and i want to be fabulous at everything and i need to be fabulous at everything i need to know but actually i don't and i can still rule the world and everybody wants this everybody's trying to do this you, we just need to give ourselves a little bit more compassion and support and yeah not put that pressure on ourselves for it but yeah I just thought,
0: let's have a listen to what they're what they're singing about even oh that's such a fantastic tune i am just i'm kind of like 14 years old again and just um you know just kind of like dancing in my bedroom <laughs> loved it That was fantastic I it's one of those that I just yeah you have to sing
1: at the top of your voice for me and yeah put it on in the car you'll see me (laughs) singing it's it's a brilliant tune but just the the lyrics Mm. really resonated with me with with regards to the imposter syndrome and you know it's it's about yeah choose you have to choose your fights and you know sometimes just go with the flow kind of thing and it's just it's really important to to start to notice, to start to recognise what is going on. Am I doing that imposter syndrome? Because I think you'll get to understand that that you are, and then that's when you can start to change it. You can't know you can't till you notice you're doing it. So
0: much of what we talk about with our mental well-being is about putting us back in the driving seat, isn't mm. it? And not kind of allowing these experiences, these thoughts, these feelings to sort of overtake and, you know, for them to kind of rule us. Um, You know, I loved what you said before, Claire, about, you know, I can still rule the world. I don't have to be great at everything. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to do it all myself, Mm. but I can still rule. I can yeah. be ruler of my world. Well, exactly. That's the hell thing, isn't it? Yeah, It's my world. I can
1: still rule it. It's just, yeah, am I letting myself or am I standing in my own way? Yeah. And the imposter syndrome, you're standing in your own way. It's just, it's figuring it out, isn't it? It's figuring out why, what's going on with you. Mm. And I think, yeah, we're, we're very easy to put ourselves down. It, it just seems to come so, so easy. And actually building ourselves up seems to... And it's like, why is that? And genuinely, what we talked about before, I think it's because that's not given to us from such a young age. You know, it's never, it's good enough. Yeah,
0: I love this idea. I'm glad I brought that up again, because I meant to kind of come back to that. You know, good enough. You know, ordinarily, it would be kind of terms that would be seen to be, oh, that's not, it's not quite there, is it? Mm. But I think it's about kind of reframing that and, you know, repurposing that.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's a bit like this word nice. Oh, I love the word nice. (laughs) But it's got a bad rep. It does. It's a shame. I love nice. Especially, especially I think, by men. And they go, yeah, you know, I've been told I'm nice. Well, you know what? That's fabulous. Because if you're told you're nice, really own that. Because I don't use the word, I don't use it, like, likely. You know, I I will only say it if I think you're nice. But actually, nice can be can be amazing it's not it's like if you're a nice person I just think the word itself it's just probably been used too much and it's like oh well they're nice you know it's a bit like oh well, they're nice as
0: though it's not good yeah or what it's making me think I've actually been told in my life that I'm too nice and what (laughs) people mean by that is that you're a pushover
1: yeah Uh, well there you go so it's sort of like Yeah, so maybe you should be going, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad I'm too nice because that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, so there's that kind of thing. But yeah, so to me, it's like, it's that. We we down words that actually are good words, you know, and we give them a different curve to what we mean. So it's good enough means (laughs) it's good. You can leave it there. You don't need to have to keep flogging yourself or it yeah. for it to get better. It's good. Good's good. <laughs> I love
0: that. I love that. Yeah. I, I like this idea of repurposing words, reclaiming words, reframing them because we don't have to go along with what everybody's saying to us. We don't have to accept that. Yeah. Um, and you're right. We can choose our response. Again, I'm going to say word empowered because it feels like there's a lot of potential to be empowered so to come from this place of imposter syndrome Mm. and actually really sort of dig in, understand what that's about where is it coming from what can I do about it and then that takes us on that path to empowerment Mm. and I think you know you talked before about the workplace and we talked about being in a leadership role or a management role or you know even being a colleague I think this is something that we can help others with as well isn't it I think that we can kind of not that we're going around kind of like labeling everybody but that we can notice things in other people and kind of support them to help them to believe in themselves as well as us as well as us i think i think that's a big one i mean i
1: think people need to support each other in the workplace definitely because you know we spend a lot of our time you know in work so if we have colleagues who are really supportive of us that could really help us to have our mental well-being and you know to discuss things but within this aspect you know if you've got A manager or somebody in authority who is constantly expecting more of you it would be really good to have somebody at the other end who's going you know what you're doing a great job just as you are and they're just going to try and push you anyway because they just want more out of you and it doesn't matter what they say shouldn't impact because that's just about that's about them and that's about what targets they've been pushed or whatever if you're doing a good job, you just carry on doing that. You're good enough. That is enough. That is it. And I think this, you're good enough, that should be really positive. Yeah. I really mean that in a really positive way. You are good enough. You are enough. That's the whole thing. You are enough. And that is, that's what we've got to keep saying to ourselves. I'm enough. That, that's, that's the be-all and end-all for right. it.
0: I love this, I think there's a lot, it's about kind of nurturing ourselves, feeding ourselves these positive messages and yeah and kind of and reminding ourselves of our worth and our value and all of the stuff that we talk about, yeah it's kind of like what we said, I think we said on the show last week about being your own friend and being on your own side and showing yourself that kindness yeah. and all of those things are really linked here aren't they and not being so blooming hard on yourself. There's enough out there to kind of like drag you down and beat you up. I'm kind of regretting my song choice. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no, don't do that. It is enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Um, the only reason being is it, it's kind of, it's. It, I mean, I love this song, although. Okay, I'm going to confess now. I once played this person's whole album to you when we were in the traffic jam. I know coming you, back from London, and you told me at the end of it that you felt really depressed. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but you were doing the driving, so I was trying to be okay about it. But yeah, it's so it was great. a bit like, dare I play any Courtney Barnett? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a huge fan. She's an Australian singer songwriter, and she's very observational in what she writes. She writes about what is going on with people. Um, and her stuff's, it's a little bit ironic, It's a, but it's also a little bit... But it's got that, as with all irony, you know, it's got that kind of that truth, <laughs> the seed of truth kind of at the heart of it. And she's singing about, about her own struggles, about everybody's struggles. And this song is called Crippling Self-Doubt and General Lack of Confidence. Well, it, it uplifts me already. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I chose it was because I thought, right, it absolutely fits with what we're talking yeah. about. But it's got so many things in there about kind of there's a line in there that goes something to do with kind of like not feeling like I can't remember what the phrase is now, but in, you're feeling insecure when you're around other people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that thing, isn't it? Actually, we're all feeling it yeah. to a certain extent, you know. So I think what we were saying there about building each other up and supporting each other and accepting we are good enough, you know, will help us all overcome some of this crippling self-doubt and general lack of confidence Well Claire, have I um, kind of, I don't know, endeared you to uh, Courtney Barnett a little bit more I mean, just listening to the one song (laughs) and obviously
1: completely different surroundings, it wasn't bad actually, it really wasn't bad but I just want to say, but and um, it's okay that we are, I think it's great that we have different kind of tastes and, and with absolutely. music. There'll be people out there that will have absolutely loved it and wouldn't have particularly liked my choice. That's the whole point, isn't it? Who doesn't love taste
0: for fears? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. There's room for all sorts of music Definitely. in this space. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to build, a yeah. kind of a, a well-being playlist that sort of works for everybody. I think we've been talking about some important stuff today with this imposter syndrome. I think the, the different things that you were pointing out, I think we're going to share that on our Facebook page yeah. at 3B Wellbeing so people can look at that as a resource because I think it's really, really useful.
1: That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.